Welcome. Good to see all of you here today. Welcome. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. It's, it's wonderful to have you here today, particularly if you're uh, visiting family members for this weekend and you came to church with us today. It's great to have all of you here. So thank you. Good to see you. I'm Len. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so privileged to be able to share with you this morning. And again, thank you all for being here. Um, uh, Today we begin a a new series called My Big Fat Mouth. You guys ever feel that way? Want to talk about that? And it's it's inspired by a series by Craig Rochelle. And and we just need to understand that uh, our words have a, a, a lot of power. The words that we speak have immense power. They have the power to give life, the power to steal life and joy from other people. And so we want to really focus on that over these next couple weeks. You ever have one of those moments where it's sort of slow motion that as the words are leaving your mouth, you already regret them and you're trying to pull them back in because you just, I can't believe I just said that. And you may even say, but you probably, probably think, that's not like me. That's, that's not me, and yes, it is. It is you. It is you. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It may not be the best you. It may not be the restrained you, but those words were your words, and they came from you. And so we want to take time over the next couple weeks considering that. Next week we're going to be talking about criticizing or judging. And then we're going to end the series in in two weeks with this idea of talking about gossip and what that means. But today we want to talk about the problem of complaining. And I'm so annoyed that I've got to talk about complaining. (laughs) Actually, I'm happy to talk about it. But it's a situation, a behavior that so many of us get caught up in, and we want to focus on that. And so when I think about complaining in the Bible, one of the first places that so many people go to get an example of complaining are are the Israelites who had just been released from captivity in Egypt. And many of you may remember the story of Moses and the plagues and Pharaoh, let my people go, you know, that that story. And and God does all these miracles, and, and the whole nation has this exodus, thus the name of the Bible book called Exodus, where this story comes from and 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 because of the plagues and and all that all that's taken place the egyptians they're happy to let those israelite slaves go get out of here here take my gold take my cattle go you know and and so they're leaving and as they leave god parts the red sea and and drowns pharaoh's army and even though god fed his people with with bread from heaven and water from rocks and their clothes never never run out or or get bad, Uh, what did God's people do? They griped and they whined and they complained over and over again. Listen to what they had the nerve to say to Moses. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? We were so happy as slaves, right? But now you brought us out of there. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. Really? Really? They went there? And it sounds so much like many of us, right? 
We've even come up with a phrase in our society these days to categorize a lot of our griping. First world problems, right? We know our lives are so much better than most of the world's situations that they're facing. But we still figure out ways to complain about it. A little later, Moses said something that really should, should stun all of us into a moment of silence. He said this about our complaining. You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Who were they complaining against? They were complaining against the Lord. Imagine if every time that we complained, it's not just about our circumstances, about the traffic, or about another person, but what if in God's eyes we're actually complaining about him? Just maybe that's exactly the way God sees it. And so today we want to take a few moments to examine our hearts and our motives and realize that our complaints aren't just these throwaway words, but they actually reveal our very nature, who we are, as well as reveal some insights into the status of our relationship with our God. And so I want to ask you today, what is it that you complain about most? Think about that for a moment. Be real honest. I'm not going to make you call it out, so don't worry about it. Keep it. You can keep it in your head, right? But what is it that you find yourself complaining about most? Let it, let it rise to the surface. For me, one of the things that I, a continuing complaining theme is cost of living sort of stuff. I was in Nashville for a conference uh, and some vacation time a couple weeks back, and a gallon of gas there is over a dollar less than it is here. Why? They have to truck it in for miles, and we're right here at the ports where they bring it in. Why? You know, and we can moan and just complain and wah, 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 wah. And we go there, but, you know, we just find things to complain about. Some of you would would say you complain most because you're not married. Some because you are, you know? (laughs) Some, some of us complain about our jobs and our bosses or the boring meetings that we have to go to or our house is small or our mortgage is big. You know, we find things to complain about. Maybe it's something smaller that we complain about, like the weather or bad Wi-Fi, slow Wi-Fi. Oh, no, the world's going to end. My Wi-Fi's slow, right? You know, or, or there's nothing to watch on TV. And these are the things that we complain about, right? Let me be clear. The problem isn't the weather or the traffic or the cost of a gallon of gas. The problem is, is we've taken our eyes off the goodness of God. And we've placed the focus on ourselves, on our situation and circumstances. And that's the problem that leads to a constant curse of complaining. So this morning we're going to land mostly on a passage written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And if there's anybody who had the so-called right to complain, it was Paul. He had this incredible, powerful call from God uh, to go and preach the gospel. and, And he wanted nothing more than to tell the whole world about the greatness of God. Specifically, he had a dream to go to Rome, the center of power at that time in the world, and he wanted to go to, the Rome, to Rome and preach uh, the gospel to all that were around there. And so he set out on various missionary journeys to make this happen. And along the way, he was shipwrecked, 
stoned, beaten, snake-bitten, driven out of cities. And instead of going to Rome to preach the gospel, he went to Rome as a prisoner. He was arrested and put in jail there, locked up for about two years. He had reason to complain if anybody did, right? I know I would have complained. I complained about things far less severe than that. I mean, it's sort of like this. God, I've been serving you. I followed your call. I obeyed you, and I went out, and and I got shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and driven out of cities, and I've been left for dead, and all I've done is serve you, God. And here I am in prison, hard floors, chains that are tight, and bad food, right? That's where we would go. That's where I would go. And many of us do this, in particular when it comes to things that we know are right. Things that we do in obedience to God and to honor Him, and, and then something knocks us down, and it feels very unfair. And it probably is. But instead of complaining, instead of whining, instead of telling God, God, you got it all wrong, This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in a letter to the Christians in Philippi. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. That's a very high standard, isn't it? Everything. Do everything without grumbling. Do everything without complaining. Dr. Travis Bradbury wrote a, uh, co-wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0 where he says, repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it easier to be negative than to be positive, regardless of what's happening around you. Complaining becomes your default behavior. In other words, the more negative you are, the more likely your brain is going to be triggered to continue to be negative. You expect something to be bad, therefore you get what you expect. You develop biases and perspectives and prejudged situations before you ever experience them, and that creates this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. And as I read that quote by him, I began to think of ways that I do this. And I do this. And you probably do too. I have this computer program I use all the time. And it's had issues over the years and sometimes doesn't work the way I expect it to do, but most of the time it's fine. Despite the reality that it almost always does what I want it to do, when it does mess up, it reinforces my negative view that it's just the worst piece of software ever developed. And I begin to complain about it over and over and over. And I don't know about you, But I don't want to go through life having programmed myself to find the bad in things. I want to train my mind to do what Paul says as he ends the same letter. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the result, and the God of peace will be with you. That's what I want. So how do we deal with life and circumstances that are difficult? 
And they are negative. And they're not what we want because that is life. Life has all of those situations for us. Well, there's two things that we're going to unpack as we go on this morning, but I'm going to just front load them right here and say, if you can change your circumstances, do something about it. And if you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective. So let's look at that first one. If you can change your circumstances, do something. Do something about it. We see all throughout the Bible different people who seem to be in difficult circumstances who didn't roll over and give up. Nehemiah saw the state of the walls in Jerusalem and and petitioned the king to go and fix them. Esther saw that her people were about to be systematically killed and she stepped up to change the heart of the king to save them. David took on a giant while everybody else quivered in their boots around him. Each of these people were upset by what was happening around them, but each did something about it. Now, these are causes. These are big events. These are huge situations, but the application is profound. You may be one person, but if there's something that you dislike and you look and say, this isn't right, and God wants more for me or more for us, then do something about it. Don't just complain Don't just tweet out your dissatisfactions. Do something about it. Get out there. Do something. If there's a negative situation and you have the ability to change it, then change it. And then if you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective. As we've seen already, if anyone had the so-called right to complain, it was Paul, right? But he didn't. He couldn't change the fact that he was in prison and unable to be in the city preaching like he had wanted, so he accepted his circumstances and changed his perspective. And here's what he writes. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Life wasn't playing out the way he expected. Life wasn't what he wanted or what he planned for. It wasn't what he hoped for. But God worked through him to do something great. You see, one of the problems with complaining is that we begin to believe the hopelessness of it. We don't allow God to move in the midst of our situation because we're caught up in this downward spiral that just feeds on itself and drags us deeper and deeper into hopelessness. The letters of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon were all written by Paul while he was in prison. He redeemed his circumstances and let God work through them rather than say, I'm here and I just can't do it. It's not what I expected, God. Woe is me. Poor me. Now, I have no desire here to sound trite or dismiss the reality of very hard circumstances that some of us and many of us have. 
Some of, you, some of you are going through some really horrible, horrible situations and circumstances in your life. But in them, you have the opportunity to see God work in ways that you could never have imagined. And we all know that complaining does absolutely nothing to help the situation, right? It's useless. It does nothing to improve our situation. But it can very much make it worse. It can completely deepen the hole that we're in by helping us to sort of believe this lie of hopelessness. I've said this before, and I want to say it again this morning. If we never have had anything that drove us to our knees in prayer and trust to God, then we would never have the privilege of seeing what God does in those situations. So instead of seeing our negative circumstances as horrible, see them as opportunities to see God do something great anyway, or because of, or in spite of. God is good. Last week we showed a video of where one of our own, Shauna, shared how scared she was when she was diagnosed with cancer. But through the horrible experience of cancer, she saw God through many of you in very tangible and meaningful ways. She said in the video she had all these incredible God moments through people in her church family. Did she wish that life hadn't thrown her that curveball? Probably. But did she experience God in ways that she wouldn't have otherwise? Definitely. Back to Paul. Throughout this entire letter, there is this attitude of joy that is expressed. I always pray with joy. I will continue to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. And how could Paul be in prison and offer praise and worship to God? Because Paul wasn't the center of his own story. Jesus was. Jesus was the center of his story. When we complain, again, we fix our eyes on our situation and on ourselves. But when we fix our eyes on God, everything changes. Why, as Moses said, is, is grumbling against God himself? Because he is the one who is the leader of our lives. He is the one, when we choose to follow him, that that is our refuge and our strength and gives us hope for each day. He is the source of all that is good to us. And so when we complain, what we are actually telling him is, God, you're not enough. God, you're not enough. That's how he sees it. We all, like Paul, have difficult times and situations in our lives. Paul was in chains, imprisoned for these two years. What are you chained to? Maybe it's a very painful relationship, a job situation that you don't know what you're going to do, a financial problem that you just can't see how you can get out of that hole that you're you're in. Perhaps a health issue. The list could go on and on and on of the difficult circumstances that each of us face in our lives. Let me just say this to you. If you can do something about it, do something. 
If you can work hard, work hard. If you can get counseling, get counseling. If you can seek some help, seek help. If you can get wisdom, get wisdom. If you can do something about it, do something. Don't just get caught up in the pity party of complaining. But if you can't change your circumstance, and a lot of us have circumstances that are absolutely out of our ability to make any difference in, change your perspective. Change the way that you look at it. Change the way that you think about it. Change the words that you even use to speak about it. Rather than complaining about something that you cannot change, choose to see God's presence and power even in the middle of something you would have never, ever asked for in your life. But how do we do that? How do we get to that place? Just remind yourself. Surround yourself with people who will remind you that you're not the center of your story. Your story is God's story when he is leading your life. When Jesus is the center of your story, it changes how you let your story be told. Remind yourself of that. Now I want to add one little side note just to make sure that this comes across clearly this morning that seeing the reality of all of our circumstances and being upset by them or feeling like they're difficult or they're not the way that we, that we want, that's not a bad thing. I am not suggesting that we all just be happy slappy and everything's good and nothing's wrong. I'm not suggesting that at all. What I am saying is to be honest and real about it. And taking up those things to God in prayer, it might start out as whining. That may be our motivation. God, what's going on here? You know? But the very nature of prayer is that we're putting God in the center of our story. And we're beginning to trust him. It's complaining when we vent to those who have no ability to help. That's complaining. When we're just venting, when we put the focus on ourselves and then wah, 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 that's complaining. The best thing that we can do for each other is to direct each other back to God. You see, we're all, we're all tempted to see life through poop-colored glasses. You've heard about the rose ones, right? Well, we all go the other direction sometimes too. And we're tempted to see it in the worst possible light that we can imagine. And it's good to be real with each other, to share our struggles with each other and find comfort in others. So be honest, but a good friend, a good life group, will try to remind each other of the goodness of God. If we just vent with each other and then go off on our merry way, or lack thereof, that's not a good experience at all. A good friend will direct you back to the goodness of God in the midst of your circumstances. And a great example of a godly whiner is David. Just read the Psalms and you know what I'm talking about. He laments and he cries and he screams out to God about the unfairness of life. And this is a great lesson for us to realize that God has big shoulders. And he's not, a, he's not afraid of your concerns and your cares and your struggles and your whining and your emotions. God is big. He can handle all of it. And he even welcomes it. But what he says to us through this process of venting to God is that the focus begins to be on God. And he redirects our heart and mind and changes 
everything when we direct our attention to him instead of just venting for venting's sake. And that's where, where Paul writes things like where he finds the joy that he has in the Lord. They're not in the circumstances. There's no joy in being bitten by snakes, right? There's no joy there at all. But there is joy in the Lord. And so David, virtually in every psalm where he starts out whining and crying out to God, he ends with something like this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy. He fills my life with good things. And I hope that you'll remember, that you'll remind yourself to see his goodness in your life right now. See his blessings through the immediate pain that you're experiencing. What does God do? He forgives all your sins. He heals all our diseases. He redeems us from death and crowns us with love and tender mercies. What does my God do? He fills my life with good things. Let all that I am praise the Lord. That should be our prayer. That whatever we're going through, let all that I am praise the Lord. Anyway, Right? I don't know who this is speaking to specifically today, but life for you may be incredibly difficult right now. And if you can change something, do it. Change it. But if you can't, change your perspective this morning. Choose not just to look at what's wrong. Choose to look what is at, at what is right. Choose to look at the goodness of God. See his grace. See his power. See his goodness. Experience his forgiveness. Let his Holy Spirit carry you when you are weak. Because as the Bible says, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Fill your life with his strength. Life may not have turned out the way that you expected it. It still may not. It may not be what you wanted. It may not be what you made plans for. But when you place your trust in God, in the saving power of Jesus Christ, you can find joy and peace unimaginable. Even if my greatest prayer never gets answered, even if I never get out of the situation that I wish I wasn't in, I will still praise my God because he is good. That should be where we land His presence is is with us. His power is in us. Therefore, I will praise him with everything that I have. The worship team is going to join us up here now as we get ready to to wind down this morning. And they're going to lead us in what I think is a great song for perspective adjustment because that's where so many of us land. We need our perspective changed to be reminded of the goodness of God, the greatness of God. And that even in the midst of our difficult situation, he redeems even what we think is just horrible. He can use it for good in our lives. And this song is called Nothing's Wasted. You think that may be a throwaway experience and God is saying, no, I can use it. Nothing is wasted. And I just invite you as the song is being sung to 
to just boldly make it your prayer, your declaration of praise to God. And maybe you're not quite there yet, and so it may take some pondering. Just, just be silent and still and look at the words and say, okay, God, I don't know that. I'm pointing at the, fake, the words on the screen. I don't know that, but help me to know that. Help me to know that, God, you will use all things for your goodness. Help me, God, to experience that today. Make that your prayer this morning. Let's turn our complaining to praise. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you so much for your goodness. Help us to be reminded that you are good. You are good. And the circumstances of our life have not caught you off guard. They haven't surprised you. You weren't out taking a stroll forgetting about us. You are good in our lives all the time. God, help us to get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our perspective, off of our situation that, that may be not what we wanted or what we hoped for or what we planned for. But God, help us by your strength to make changes in our life where we have the power to make changes. And where we don't, God, help us to put our trust in you, our eyes on you in the midst of those circumstances because you have the power to change and work good in everything. God, again, help us to to be mindful of the words we speak, to not let them be throwaway words of complaint that actually reveal a mistrust, a distrust in our heart. And God, so many of us, when we do get caught up in those situations and then we're reminded that somebody else has worse circumstances, then we pile guilt on ourselves and it just begins to spiral even worse. Oh God, help us, forgive us for the mistrust Help us to shed off that guilt and to put our eyes on you. God, you are the lifter of our heads, the Bible says. Help us to put our hope squarely in you today and to change our complaining to praising. In Jesus' name, amen.